great to be together. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read a sizable portion of scripture. So I've asked my dear friend Melissa to come out and read it for us. Let's give a hand to Melissa. She's reading Romans 8 with us. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of the sin of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so be, and so he condemned sin in a sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, nature but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind of contr- but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law or nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but the, but by the spirit of of the sorry of the if the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But in Christ, but Christ, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, you who raised He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, if we have, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Not because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that, with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in according with God's will. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. See, there's a reason why I didn't. I didn't read it. I wanted you to read it because it's so wordy. And Okay. Thank you, Melissa. Let's give Melissa another hand. Today, my title is called A Spirit Transplant. A Spirit Transplant. I'm amazed that we live in an era of modern medicine where transplants are possible. One of our dear friends who's been with us almost since the beginning of All People's Church is Allison Ricks. 
She's been up in Northern California with her mother having a heart transplant. Absolutely amazing that you can have your heart transplanted, the organ that's probably most vital to you living, pumping blood into every fiber of your being, and it can actually be taken out when it goes bad and have an entirely new one put in. And you not only survive, but be changed and become more healthy. And it's with that kind of thought today that I want to talk about a spirit transplant. Because I think for far too long, we as Christians think about living our Christian life in a religious way. We think about following principles and rules instead of understanding that God wants to do a transplant in us. So this is what we're going to be diving in today, but I I need to illustrate it with maybe my first time that I, I really, my heart leaped out at something in a movie when I was a child. There's uh, all kinds of superhero movies out there right now, and they just absolutely captivate our country. And I think here is, is the premise that we all love. It's that of operating in a power that's beyond our mortal abilities. And I remember this isn't a superhero per se, but I remember watching the first Star Wars. Who has seen the first Star Wars in here? Okay, raise your hand if you've seen Star Wars. That's almost everyone. It came out in 1977 on March 5th, by the way. And that's actually a year before I was, uh, I mean, a year after I was born. I was born in 1976. So I don't think I saw it when I was one. If I did remember this from when I was one, I truly am a prodigy. But I don't, I don't think that was a joke. I don't think that that's true. But I remember seeing it probably four years old. And there's been one scene that's forever stuck out to me in Star Wars. And it's not one of the epic lightsaber battles. It's not one of those cataclysmic X-wing fighter jet sequences. What it is, it's kind of an extraneous scene. And it's when Luke Skywalker is being trained to use the force. And what it is, is he is fighting this little training Uh, robot. And this training robot is flying around shooting little lasers at him. And it wouldn't kill him, it would just zap him. And he's trying to use his lightsaber to stop them. And how he's supposed to use the force is he puts on a helmet. And that helmet actually blocks his vision. And then by staying and abiding in the force, abiding in the force, he's able actually, without any of his human senses, he's actually able to stop these little lasers from coming and hitting him. And everyone knows that the grand finale of that first Star Wars is he's flying his little X-Wing into the, the, the giant Death Star, I believe is what it's called. And, you know, it's, he's got to stop it before it blows up his planet. And all of a sudden he hears Obi-Wan Kenobi saying, Luke, use the Force. And Luke shuts down all his instruments and just starts abiding. Just starts flowing with the spirit. (laughs) And Darth Vader is on his back trying to accuse him with massive lasers that are coming at him. But Luke just uses the spirit, the force, excuse me, uses the force, flies in, shoots the Death Star. It blows up. End of movie. Okay. 
this scene just captivated me, or that conglomeration of those two scenes, of learning to tap into something that was beyond just human ability or beyond even human training, but using the force. And I think Lucas was on to something. I think he attributed it to maybe some different forces. But I, I think this gives us such a great example of life by the Spirit. This text that Melissa just read, starting in Romans 8. And so I want to unpack it with you. You guys ready to get to work this morning, looking at Romans chapter 8. Now, what I want to do is I want to put up two columns for you of what Paul, the writer of this text, is delineating between living by the sinful nature or what other texts say, the flesh, and living by the Spirit. So let's go ahead and put this this little chart up, because it's trying to highlight how different it is to live by these two different spirits. So here's what we have with a sinful nature. Condemnation, death, hostile towards God, rebellious to God's law, cannot please God. And here's what we have on the other side, life through the Spirit. You actually have what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is part God, who is the triune God, one and three, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you're living through the Spirit, you actually desire what the Spirit desires, and it's life and peace. Now, I want to take you a little deeper in this morning because I want to show you how important, how paramount this is in our life. So if we can go to John chapter 3, turn there, I don't know if we have it. Or not. But if you turn with me to John chapter 3, do we have this in the back? We don't have John chapter 3. Aha! I've tricked you into opening your Bible at church. So everyone needs a Bible. You need to turn to John chapter 3 with me. John chapter 3. It's the beginning of Jesus' life, and there's this religious leader named Nicodemus that comes to him. We often joke about his Nicodemus, nicknamed Nick. He comes at night. It's the first sighting of Nick at night. It says this in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. Verse 2. He came to Jesus at night, and he says this, Rabbi, you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with them. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God Unless he is born again. Here's what's going on. This Nicodemus, he understands the law. He has the Bible in his mind. He knows the rules. He knows the principles. This is like a lot of people sitting in church today across America. Okay, there's over 330,000 Protestant churches. I don't know how many Catholic churches there are. But what I'm saying is there are a whole heap of people doing what you're doing this morning in church. And there's a lot of people that have been sitting there their whole lives. So they have a lot of God's law in their mind. But Nick here is seeing something interesting going on with Jesus. Because he sees where Jesus is going. There are miracles. The kingdom of God is happening around him. So he comes up to Jesus and says, excuse me, Jesus, you're different from all my Pharisee bros because the kingdom of God is actually happening around you. Blind eyes are being opened. The dead are actually being raised. People seem to be coming to life. There's such joy. There's such connection with you. What's the deal? And Jesus says this to him. He says, Nick, you can't see the kingdom unless you are born of the spirit. If you're taking notes today, right, born of the Spirit, 
born of the Spirit. He's saying, Nick, it doesn't matter how religious you are, how well you know the Torah, how well you know all the commands, how many times you go to the temple, how many years you sat in Sunday Pharisee school. Nick, you've got to be born of the Spirit. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus said. This is verse 4. Surely he can't enter into his mother's womb a second time to be born. That's gross, Nick. Verse 5. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. He's saying, Nick, it's not just about you being born again, uh, coming out of a womb, being a baby. It's about, Nick, your spirit being born. It's about a spiritual birth. This is profound. Verse 7, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Now, listen to this verse. This has confused many people, but I want to unpack it for you. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. What Jesus is saying is, look, Nick, you can't see the wind, but you know it's a real force. He's saying, you, you, you're hearing it, you're not seeing it, but you see whole boats blown by it. You see trees blown over. This is what the Spirit is like. It's a real force that actually picks you up and carries you. It actually moves you. It actually changes things, Nick. When the Spirit comes in you, it's like the wind blowing you. And wherever that wind wants to go is the direction you're going to be blown. This is like life in the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus said? You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. Don't you understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify what we've seen, but still people do not accept our testimony. And he, he goes on to explain, Nick, you've got to be born again. This is what it means to be born again, men and women. You've heard that phrase before, is the Spirit of God comes and makes you alive. You have a spiritual birth. Are you following me? Now, I've got to show you one more scripture to give you the framework for Romans 8 to show you how profound this is. Because it's not like, well, it's just good if someone gets born again. But all other people, they're just going to be doing good. You know, just kind of try their own way. You know, it's kind of, you, you're kind of maybe thinking, well, it's kind of like Han Solo versus Luke Skywalker, right? Han Solo, well, he didn't have the force, but he was a good guy and he did some good stuff and he kind of did it his own way. And that's like everybody on earth that doesn't have the spirit, right? Wrong. It's just in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins. So what it's saying is this, men and women, everyone starts dead. Isn't that weird? You're born dead. That doesn't make any sense, but it's true. You were born dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit, who is now at work in those who are obedient. Disobedient. Just testing you. Glad we have a church that listens. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Think the spirit who, is that the Holy Spirit? No, who is that? That's the devil. That's Satan. What's this saying? This is saying something very important for you to wrap your mind around men and women. There are two spirits at work in this world. One is 
is really good and one is really bad. And all people are under either one or the other. Are you following me? It's not just like Luke Skywalker who has the spirit and then Han Solo who's just a good guy trying to do his good thing. It is Luke Skywalker with the spirit. Darth Vader, bad news, trying to kill everyone. That is the spirit, the evil spirit. It's the devil. And he's saying everyone until you're born of the spirit is under the devil's influence. Are you following me? I just got to unpack this for you because until you understand this, you don't see how important it is to believe for everyone you come in contact with to come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Until you understand that really the whole world is under the ruler of the kingdom of the at work and those who are disobedient, you don't feel desperately broken for your coworkers who don't know Jesus. You go, oh, well, too bad. They don't, just, they don't have the sweet Jesus that I have. No, it's actually, they're under the reign of the enemy. So many in our family, so many in our workforces. Now, we don't look at them and go, Satan! We, we, that's not how we treat them. We, we don't see that model from Jesus, but we understand the enemy wants to keep them in darkness. The enemy wants to keep them in bondage. And when people come and they bow their knee before Jesus and say, I realize I can't do it on my own. I realize I can't save myself. I need Jesus to come in and take over. It's by your death on the cross. It's by your blood that was shed. It's by your resurrection from the dead that I can be set free and I can become a child of God. I invite you, Jesus, to come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and I will live for you. When that happens, you're born of the Spirit. And you have a whole new operating spirit. You, you have a whole new spirit transplant. Now, I want to walk you through the benefits of that because it's not just that you become alive. Wouldn't that be funny if a kid was born and we're like, sweet, you're alive. That's it. Just be there. Just lay there. You're alive. That's it. No, there's so much for that child to experience. There's so much for that child to become, there's so much for that child to accomplish. And that's what it's like to experience life through the Spirit. So I want to give you several things today that life through the Spirit affords us. These are benefits for life in the Spirit. I encourage you to take notes on them, starting in verse 1. Verse 1 says this of Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation. The first benefit of life in the Spirit is that you're not condemned anymore. Isn't that good news? So much you get happy out there. You're, there's two ways you're not condemned. You're not condemned judicially. You know, you've all, we've all sinned. I've done so many wrong things. And we deserve to come into the court of Most High God and for Him to declare us a sinner and send us to pay for our sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. When the Spirit comes in and lives inside of us, all of a sudden judicially we're free. It's as if Jesus came into that courtroom and said, I take all of Robert's due punishment upon myself. Set him free, judge. And God says, okay. So I am no longer condemned for my sins. It's an absolute blow away. But it's not just that. You're not emotionally doomed to walk in condemnation. Guys, I see believers all the time. 
I'm just a sinner. I, I can't believe I did it. I just, I'm such a wretch. I am such, a, I'm a worm. I am lower than a worm. I, and you walk in condemnation. I want to tell you that that is not from God. The Bible says there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is conviction and don't get those wrong. It's right when God convicts us, right? You, you tell a lie and all of a sudden you feel convicted. That's not condemnation. Conviction, let me explain. There's a big difference. Conviction makes you want to turn and repent, say you're sorry and start walking in God's path of light again. Condemnation, on the other hand, just beats you up and makes you think, I'll never be okay. I'll never change. I'll always be a loser. There is no hope for me. There's a difference, men and women, between conviction and condemnation. Do not let the enemy come in and bring condemnation. But also let the Lord come bring his good conviction because that is what changes us and makes us more and more like Jesus. Are you following me? Let's go to the next benefit of life of the Spirit. He sets us free from sin. Before you were under the Spirit, we were actually drawn to sin. It's like sin had a noose on our necks and we'd be walking around and all of a sudden we'd start just being pulled, right? You started feeling overwhelmed, overcome. Oh, oh, I, I've, got to, I've just got to do this. I've got, and we follow the, the passions of our flesh. Once the Holy Spirit comes in us, it's like you have this new empowering. All of a sudden, instead of being drawn towards that sin, when we remain in the Spirit, when we choose the Spirit, when we're daily walking with Him, it's like those video games where you're running and all of a sudden you have a jet pack and, and there's the enemy coming and you just go, boom, and you go right over that sin. That's life. In the spirit, he gives us power to overcome the sin. It was impossible in your own flesh, in your own strength. But then God gives us power. Next time you're feeling drawn to sin, just do that. You'll be walking through. I'm just, I'm just walking over sin right now, folks. Number three. Life in the spirit makes salvation... No longer based on performance of the law. It makes our salvation no longer based on how we perform in accordance with the law. We know that it is impossible to live out perfection according to the law. And so all of a sudden it's no longer did we do everything perfect. Now it's our sins are forgiven by Jesus. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see sin. He sees his child. He sees us washed with the blood of Jesus. And now we are righteous and he cannot forsake his children. So it makes it no longer based on, did I perform every single law that's in scripture? It becomes now I am born of the spirit and I have become, I'm a child of God. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Number four, this is an awesome one. Life in the Spirit, it changes our mindset to life and peace. Let's look at that in verse 6 of Romans 8. Verse 6 of Romans 8. 
he says this, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Verse seven, the sinful mind is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. You see your mind, so many of us need a new mind. We felt like our minds are out of control. I, I meet guys all the time that they're like, man, my mind, I just, I'm all, it's, it's perverted. I've seen too much junk. I've, I've looked on pornographic images and that just plays over. And, and I just feel like there's always these thoughts coming through my mind and I feel like a slave to my mind. I talk to women who it's, it's body image. I'm just always thinking about, I can't, I can't seem to get free. There's so many different things, different loves, different passions that just possess our mind. And, and we seem to be enslaved. We're walking around, we look free. But if someone could really see inside us, we're a slave. There's like chains on our mind. And God is saying, no, the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Men and women, you want to be a slave. It's just who you choose to be a slave to. Let your mind be controlled by the Spirit. Surrender your mind to, maybe you've never done it today, you can say, Lord Jesus, I give you my mind. Take over my mind. Let my mind be fixed on you. Let my mind be set on you. And the Spirit starts taking over your mind. We need to be brainwashed. What did you learn in church today? Well, we were just being brainwashed. (laughs) That would actually be a great conversation starter. Our church believes in brainwashing. But how many would say that's true? Man, if I could just wash my brain, there's so much junk. It just seems out of control. And the Bible saying this, you don't have to live with your mind out of control. You don't have to live with your mind always running off the places where you don't want it to be. Let the Holy Spirit control it. What does this look like for me? It's just a moment by moment saying, Holy Spirit, come. And, and there'll be these little thoughts and I'll say, ah, 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 you cannot come in. No, 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 no. I will not think about you. My granddaddy used to say, You can't control what bird flies over your roof, but you can control what nests there. Some of you will get that in a minute. You can't, you, these different thoughts that will come over your mind, but you are the one who gets to control by the power of the Holy Spirit, what you're going to entertain. So moment by moment, I'm walking with the spirit saying, I will not entertain that. I will not think Holy Spirit come and by your power, change my mindset. I will not entertain fear. I will not entertain death. I will entertain life and peace. That is my rightful inheritance in my life in the spirit. Let's keep going. It's not just your mind. The spirit then empowers your mortal body. Look at this. This is so awesome. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Guys, did you just hear that? The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. There was a dead body. 
And the spirit came in and it gets up. And he says, that same spirit is living in you. Just, just think about things in the Bible. That's a blow away. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He's giving power to your bodies. This is the lie for me. So many times I will get tired and worn out. And I will think the only hope for me is a two-week vacation. Sitting on the beach, just going, bah. Now, I'm not against vacations. In fact, I love vacations and I love the beach. But I want to tell you that nothing will empower your body more than the Holy Spirit coming and refreshing you from the inside out. I cannot tell you how many times I felt so tired. My responsibilities at work, my taking care of four children, different challenges that were going on emotionally and financially, spiritually. You just feel, I I, I am sure, I I would guess that one-third of this room felt like you had to drag yourself here today just because of the challenges of life. And so often we think, if I could just shut down for a few days, I'd be better. And then we shut down, we just watch the TV for three days, and then we end up in a worse place than ever. (laughs) Because we're like, we just got absolutely slimed. By everything on TV, right? And the Chargers lost, and you're just totally desperate. (laughs) I love the Chargers, by the way. Not down on them. Lord, help them. So here, here is what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. You don't just need to take a break physically. Come and draw on the power of the Holy Spirit. Come in and say, Lord, I will press in and worship. The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So I try to get into the Spirit. And then I start feeling his presence. And there is nothing that revitalizes the Spirit, the soul, the heart of a man or woman as the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling and giving life to your mortal body. I can't tell you how many times I've just been at the end of my rope. I've been wiped out. I've been just totally fried. And I come in and get in the presence of God and he starts strengthening me. I literally feel him strengthening me. If you've ever experienced this, kind of give me a nod. I want some people around you to see that. There's very few nods going on, but believe those very few people in this room. And let's all ask God to make us those few people. Here's another thing. It's not just that. It's also for physical healing. It says, he will give life to your mortal body. I can't tell you how many times I've had a cold and I'm just thinking, okay, I've just got to go get my antibiotics. I've got to go get my medicines. And I am for all those things and I get them. But do I first go to prayer and say, God, let your power come and start strengthening my body. Are we crying out? That's why we pray up here every week for healing because his spirit gives life to our bodies. And so many times we'll be praying for someone I'll feel power actually flowing through me. Just like Jesus said in Luke chapter, uh, in Luke uh, 11, it talks about the power of God flowing from him. Numerous times in the book of Luke, it'll talk about power flowing from them. The power of God flowing and, and bringing a strengthening to the body. I've got a couple more. Verse 15, verse 15 says this. 
For you did not receive a spirit that makes you slave again to fear. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you slave again to fear. I want to tell you there's way too much fear going on in the world. And God says the answer to fear is not everything being perfect. In this world, we will have trouble. There will never be a time in your life that everything's perfect. And I'm quite an optimist, by the way. But I just want to tell you that the Bible guarantees there, there will always be something that can scare you. But the Bible says you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. You received a spirit of sonship. You received a spirit of daughterhood. God wants you to know daddy's in control. It's going to be okay. And I want to tell you one of the saddest things for me is meeting with people. I've been doing this for years now. I'll meet with people who've been in a church for 20 to 30 years. and, And they'll start getting vulnerable and say, Robert, I don't know if I'm really saved. And that is so sad for me. Because what that tells me is they've just seen it as doing the rules. But when you start giving your life over to the Holy Spirit, He stamps you. And men and women, you know that you know that you know that you belong to God. And you don't question that anymore. You might be having a really bad day. You might have said stupid stuff. You might have done stupid stuff. You might be in sin up to your eyeballs. But you still know, I'm a child of God. I'm just a really messy child of God. But his spirit has stamped your inner man. You have a spirit of sonship. If you don't have a confidence in that today, I want you to nail that down once and for all. I want you to commit your life to Christ and ask him to put his Holy Spirit in you. Because it's not, uh, once again, about being a good Christian. It's about being adopted as a son and his spirit making his home in your heart. Now, let's move here to verse 26 and 27 to finish here. We skipped over 18 through 25 because we really talked about that during our what the heck's up with Halloween message. So we're skipping to verse 26. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words Uh, with groans that words can't express. I want to tell you, when you are weak, that's often when we tap into the Spirit and experience Him the most clearly. I remember right after the tsunami that happened in Southeast Asia, and I was taking a a team to respond to that. I was scared uh, out of my mind. I was absolutely scared. I had no idea what I was doing, I just knew we were supposed to take a team. We thought we were going to go and just bury dead bodies. Everyone was leaving Sri Lanka. We were going in, and I was freaked out. And I remember someone coming up and giving me this word out of Romans 8, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And I just sat in my seat on my plane, and I, I, I was so scared going over there, and I just kept saying this verse over and over and over again. The Spirit helps me in my weakness. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us until I started feeling the Spirit of God start coming and falling on me like a warm blanket. I got off the plane. I didn't have a clue what to do. But I kept saying this verse, and I would cling to the Spirit, and the Spirit started leading us in that country. 
we arrived in a place I didn't know what to do next. People come to us with sicknesses, with ailments, with all kinds of physical brokenness that we had no way to help them. And the spirit started flowing through us and bringing miraculous healing after miraculous healing after miraculous healing into where there was a, a, a mini revival in a village that had formerly been very opposed to God. And I learned then that it's often in our weakness that he is strong. Then in the times where I don't know what to do and I can't figure it out in my own strength and I can't seem to rise up in my own power, that when you call out to God and you fall on your face and you humble yourself, that that's when God lifts you up. And I want to tell you that I know that there are people today out there that feel so weak. You don't know what to do. There's all kinds of situations, and I want to tell you, the Spirit wants to help you in your weakness. It's so beautiful. It goes on to say, we don't even know what to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us. God is so for you that when you don't even know what to pray, He's praying for you. There are so many times, my little kids, they don't even know what to ask for. But I am there providing it for them before they ask. Why? Because I'm a loving father that wants to care for them. And that is how God is with you. He wants to help you in your weakness. Maybe it's a physical weakness today. Maybe it's a a mental battle today. You feel enslaved to your mind today. Maybe it's a life situation that you just can't break free from. Maybe you're, you're going through a broken relationship. I don't know what it is, but I want to tell you that the spirit is interceding for you. Even now you're not alone. You are not alone. Even now he is working on your behalf, men and women. He loves you that much. And so he's interceding up here and he's empowering you in here. And he's saying, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You can overcome. Why don't we stand up? Let's just pray. And I want you to bring that place of need. We all have places of need today. Would you close your eyes? And would you just picture bringing your greatest place of need in front of the throne of grace and having the Holy Spirit lift your burden this morning?